listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. This week, Mary Jo Pierce shares with us a message titled, Your Prayer Life, Three Non-Negotiables. We pray God speaks to you through this message in His Word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. So welcome, Embassy City. I am so excited about being here. Thank you, Pastor Tim and staff for believing in my message and my burden for prayer in the church and in the saints. I brought my, what do they call it? Uh, Does a baby have a, what do they call those, comfort blankets? Is that what they call a comfort blanket? Oh, secure, oh, better. They call it a security blanket, right? Well, I brought my security blanket, and I'll tell you more about it later. (laughs) It sticks closer than a friend. So I want to address, before we get started, some of the things that Pastor Tim talked about. Um, It's starting to look like my prayer room. Some of the things that Pastor Tim talked about when he was introducing this new initiative that Embassy City is going on in the next three months with with a focus on prayer. And one of the things he talked about was you're going to be doing some heavy lifting. He called it heavy spiritual lifting. And I don't know what that sounds like to you, but that sounds like a very exciting assignment because you just don't throw those assignments around because it's a good idea. When God takes you into this place where Pastor Tim said it had been a burden for a a season and he was going to take us into a season of prayer, we knew that we were going to be doing some heavy spiritual digging. He said, dig deep into your heart and dig deep into your soul. I don't know about you, but what that means to me is God's going to start messing with me these next couple weeks because he's not talking to everybody else but me. That God really wants to fashion prayer in you and fashion a house of prayer in you that looks different today than it did yesterday. That looks different next month than it did next week. God is continually working out prayer in us And he's going to dig deep to do it. The other thing Pastor Tim said is, I promise you, it's going to make you uncomfortable. That is my favorite word, leaders. Because when we live outside our comfort zone, that's where God is. If we are only doing things that make us comfortable, if we're only praying safe prayers that we can anticipate the outcome, or we're only praying safe, um, hemmed in, um, God bless us prayers, we're not moving into the power of the Spirit when we allow the Spirit to invade our prayer life and do God things. So when we sing today, break those walls down, and glory, um, let heaven come down. That's what we're talking about with your prayer life. Now, God has opened up the windows and heaven has come down because you know what? I'm looking up at a whole room full of heaven representatives. So we are in the presence of the Lord already. You carry him with you. And what we want to talk about is how prayer looks like as we move forward. Would you, Amy, show the first slide? All right. I know. This, my friends, is called an unrighteous burden. 
You know how the Lord says, I have need of you, and he was referring to a donkey? You know how the Lord rode in on two mare donkeys into the city? Partnership, agreement, two or more? So I want to read the scripture to you from Exodus. But Moses' hands were heavy. Amy, Good, thank you. Then they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, and Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus, his hands were steady until the sun set. God never intended us to do this world alone. He never intended us to carry our burdens alone. He never intended us, whether it's for our our marriages, our families, our our church, the prodigals, our city, our nation, our country. He never created us to labor alone. We need Aaron and hers, and I believe prophetically that there's birthing in this church, even now as I speak, he is birthing prayer partnerships. He is birthing hands that are going to hold up and move forward the plans and the purposes of God. This other scripture is both you and these people, this was Moses' father-in-law, both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out for this is a thing this thing is much too heavy for you you are not able to f- perform it by yourself would you put the donkey picture back up miss amy thank you so much see this this is called an unrighteous yoke I had a pastor prophesy to me one time or speak a word of encouragement to me and he was saying You know the difference between a righteous and an unrighteous yoke, don't you? And I told him yes and didn't have a clue what he was talking about. (laughs) But it just seemed like yes was the best answer at the time. So I was thinking about a righteous and unrighteous yoke. And an unrighteous yoke is when you're carrying the burden yourself, when you're carrying it in your soul, when you're carrying it in your mind, your will, your emotions, when you're carrying it, and not moving to the place of being equally yoked in prayer with the Lord, it becomes an unrighteous look. And that's exactly what it looks like. Do you ever feel like that in your prayer life? Yeah. I know I do. I know that's exactly how I feel at times. So what we want to do today is talk about your personal prayer life. We want to talk about just you and God. Because before we get to the place of intercession, we need to develop a personal, live, ongoing, powerful, peaceful, presence-filled relationship with the Lord. Before there is partnership, intercession, there is relationship. Before there is doing, there is being. Before there is action, there is instruction. Before there is peace, there is a storm. Before there is wisdom, there is counsel. Before there is faith, there is truth. Saints, we cannot move into a place of intercession if we are not anchored personally, ourselves, in our own relationship with the Lord. It has got to come from that place in us to come out of us. If we move from that place of intercession, and and we've been around people, they can pray loud prayers, they can pray long prayers, they can pray wordy prayers, 
They can pray scripture prayers, but it's like clanging cymbals. They're not anchored. They're interceding and crying out to a God they know about. And we want to intercede and cry out to a God we know. And we cannot do that unless we invest in this thing called a house of prayer. It won't happen by saddling up to other people who pray. Now, you can be mentored. You can even pick up anointing. You can get, when I'm next to Juliet, I mean, my finger just goes into a socket. And when you're near someone who loves to pray and you're near someone where the rivers of living water flow out of them and you're near someone who is moved by the Spirit of God and you're moved someone who, who you can tell they, they know him, it stirs it in you. But you can't buy it. You can't borrow it. You won't find it on Amazon or eBay. It can only be found in your own private prayer closet on your face. You know, prayer is so intimate. When I moved, I was 29 years old, and I was moving from a place of, reli- of a religion, knowing about God. And God interrupted my life, thank God, and I got saved. And I was introduced to a relationship God where the prayers you threw up, you weren't hoping he'd catch one. And when he did, you were surprised. And then you thought you had a pattern. Not our God. So I moved into a place of relationship with God. But honestly, when I was new in the word and new in the Lord and new in my walk with the Lord, I hid. I hid behind people who knew the word more. I hid behind people who had a prayer life and hid behind their prayer and was happy with my amen. I hid behind people who said, God told me, God said, God showed me. And you know what I discovered? God was not hiding. I was. And what God wanted to do was to bring me out and create a house of prayer. What God wanted to do was introduce himself on a one-to-one, on a relational level. What God wanted to do was move to a place of Not monologue praying, but dialogue, listening and praying. So for 40-some years now, I've been on that potter's wheel, and I want to tell you, I will be a student of prayer all of my life. Until the day God calls me home and I have that Psalm 1715 experience and I get to see him face to face, I will be a student of prayer all of my life. Why? Because prayer is connecting to God. And God, help us. We keep God in a box. We put a nice little ribbon around what God looks like and and how God has worked in our families and and what we know of God, and we think, well, that's good. That was better than this. We do God and ourselves a huge disservice by putting him in a box. And prayer is simply connecting with God. We talk about prayer as um, communicating to God, right? 
And then we know in the scriptures that, that we're encouraged to ask and supplicate. And Ooh, I even learned petition to a greater degree when Pastor Tim taught it a couple weeks ago. We're worship is prayer and asking, knocking, seeking. Friends, I'm here to tell you prayer is so much more than that. I'm here to tell you that I want to introduce you to prayer that has no boundary lines. I want to introduce you to prayer that's active and alive. I want to introduce you to prayer that's revelation from Genesis all the way to Revelations. I want to introduce you to prayer that doesn't have hemmed in laws and rules. But in order for us to be able to let God introduce us to that kind of a relationship, we have to come out from hiding. We have to be intentional. We have to assume personal responsibility because if you want to grow in your prayer life, and I'm telling you, this is where I am in prayer today, but I hope to be here in prayer tomorrow. And this is where I was yesterday. Psalm 8, um, Psalm 80, oh, that's a good scripture. I have to get to that, Amy. <laughs> Thank you. Psalm 84, 5 talks about I, my heart is set on pilgrimage. And saints, wherever you are in your prayer life, God says in Psalm 17, 15, he wants you to be fully satisfied. Fully satisfied. So are you fully satisfied with your prayer life? If your prayer life is hearing God, and obeying God, if your prayer life is, how do I pray for my family and, and sickness and disease and prodigals, and, and how do I pray for um, where God wants me and what God wants me to do, and how do I pray for what school or when school, or how do I pray for this job, how do I pray for the things that matter to me, you and matter to God? And it's moving into this place of daily intentional. Okay, spell intentional for me. I want I N T E N T I O N A L. T E N T. Big word. We're going there. We're going to talk about tent. But we need to be intentional about developing our relationship with God. It takes time. Anybody here busy? Right. Well, I want to tell you. You're always going to be busy. I mean, I, I'm in my 70s now. I just had my 70th birthday, and my decade is, ooh, I know. So thank you. Ooh, wait a minute, 71 next month. Oh, my. <laughs> so listen, the Lord gave me for a word for my 70s. It's simply 70. Because in this busyness of life that's a lot God and a lot good, there's still that pace and the rhythm that he's trying to flesh out in us. And I'm telling you, if you want to develop a prayer life that, that blesses you, because someday when you have that face-to-face, -face, he's not going to know just your face. He's going to recognize your voice. You want to have that kind of relationship that impacts the people around you? That when they're around you, they sense more of the love of God and the mercy and the kindness and the goodness and the faithfulness and the gentleness and the self-control. They might even like some of those power gifts. 
healings and miracles and words of knowledge and, and discernment and faith, tongues and interpretation, power gifts. If what we sang about today is what God wants to flesh out in us, that'd be awesome. It's going to start. It takes time. Uh-oh. <coughs> awesome always does that to me. So I want to talk to you about, let's go back to that scripture. Ooh, tend to meeting. Let's go back to that scripture on um, Ephesians 1.4. I'm going to have trouble a little bit. <clears throat> okay, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holding without blame before him in love. Is that true? Is that scripture before he formed us? Let's keep that one up. Before he formed the foundation of the world, he chose us. Does that mean that we were on his heart before all of this happened? Does that mean that you were created to pray? I want to hear an amen on that because I'm telling you what I just said is true. You were created to pray. You were created to have a two-way, one-on-one relationship with the Lord. You were created to do it. Listen, in heaven, they had worship, right? Angels bowing before the throne room 24-7, crying out to God, worshiping. On earth, when God created man, he created prayer. That's his word. And that word envelops the whole of our relationship. So for us to put a box in what prayer looks like in our life is another disservice. We know prayer takes a voice, but we also know prayer can be silent, right? Because you're connecting with God. Zephaniah 1.7, hush, be silent in the presence of the Lord. You know prayers can be tears, right? You know, prayers can be a hug. I wrote about it in my book that when I gave my testimony that my, my heart was walled up. We prayed walls come down. But I lived in a dark room. And there weren't much developing going on in there. And when I walked into a God appointment prayer meeting and a woman walked up and she hugged me, the walls came down. I met Jesus through a hug. So for us to even think of prayer as in one vein only, we're limiting how God wants to relate to us and how he wants us to relate to others. I am told that this church knows something about hugging. had so much fun developing my prayer life. What an adventure. No pun. The book's called Adventures in Prayer, but I'm not kidding you. When God, you enter into that relationship with God, you're entering into an experience that only you want to trust the Holy Spirit with. But I want to tell you something. I cannot take credit for my prayer life. 
Not 1% of 1% can I take credit for. Nothing about my prayer life has my signature on it. It's all God. Even the desire to pray comes from God. Even the desire to read his word is a gift from God. Every single thing that God wants to work in us and through us is a gift from him. The only thing I've had to do is be available. And then let him use that availability to grow me up <laughs> and, and did he. So Pastor Tim, he charged us and he challenged us to inspect our personal prayer life. So I'm going to suggest that over the next couple weeks and over the next couple months, God's going to pull you aside. You may have been praying and and you might be a giant in prayer. God wants to take you higher. There's things about my prayer life. I don't want to get it re- I don't want it to get religious. That's why I go, it worked yesterday and may not work tomorrow. God how do you want me to relate? How many, when I teach prayer, I teach the most important prayer we can pray is, Father, how do you want me to pray? I cannot pray for my family, my prodigals, and my loved ones the same way I prayed for them last w- month because their situations and circumstances are different. And how am I ever going to be able to know how to pray effectively and righteously unless I'm connected to a God that's continually growing prayer in my life. So I'm going to challenge you along with Pastor Tim to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what your personal prayer life looks like. And I'm going to suggest to you that God wants to grow it. The word grow was spoken about when Pastor Tim talked about what he wants to do here and it's, it's growth, and it starts here. The growth starts here before we have more to give out. I want to challenge you to erase the lines around your prayer life and allow God to show you what this next season is going to look like in this next season and this next season. I want to invite you to enlarge your tent. You know, a tent is a place we meet with God. I want to invite you to enlarge your tent. Isaiah 54 says, enlarge your tent and strengthen your stakes. Psalm 16, 5 and 6 talks about the boundary lines are formed in pleasant places. I want to invite you to remove some of those boundary lines and allow God to enlarge what he wants to do in your life. I want you to take God and prayer out of any religious box you've got it in. Because we know that religion is a form of godliness without power. Ultimately, prayer is a matter of the heart and what God wants to do in your heart and what pilgrimage he's taking you on. So I like to ask this question, because actually I just, I'm setting you up. <laughs> so how many have done a lot of time studying tentology? I know. 
because it's my word. Right. I am now a tentologist. I read a scripture, and I, I know I had read it before, but when I read this, God used this scripture to set up a footprint for growing in prayer. So what I'm going to do now, we're going to read. It's a long scripture, but I like it when Pastor Tim reads long scriptures. So I thought, I need a long scripture. Pastor Tim's going to read a long one. I'm going to read a long one. <laughs> Actually, um, I woke several times last night trying to, maybe I was too excited to sleep. Pre- talking about prayer <laughs> excites me. But I had these earphones in, and I had my, um, when I had my earphones in, I was listening to Exodus. And so I'd wake up and hear more about how I was establishing a place for praise and worship and praise to play with God. So let's, let's read uh, Exodus 33, 7 to 11. Now Moses used to take a tent, and some translation says his tent, and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Okay, what I want you to see in this scripture is some distance away. He pitched a tent some distance away. He was living with three million murmuring and complaining Israelites. Do you think a tent pitched away might be a good idea? But I'm going to tell you, no matter where you are, what, you know, living in um, a dorm, living in a crowded apartment, living in a, a home that um, every, every square inch is spoken for, there's room. I want you to establish a place to meet with God. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. I love that so much. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance. That's the presence of God while the Lord spoke with Moses. Wherever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped each at their own entrance. Look at the response to someone who is marinating and cultivating and growing and on his face and, and letting God work things out in his tent. We'll keep going. The Lord would say to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. If you're pleased with me, teach me your, this is Moses again. If you're pleased with me, teach me your way so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Amen to that. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Can I go back to rest? Does that sound good? Does that sound like a good scripture for how to live a prayer life? May I presence go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. So Moses intentionally pitched a tent outside the busyness of life. He called it the tent of meeting. 
I was doing a study on a word, a word study one time, and I, I came to, um, I was looking up appointments or appointed times. And so I looked up in either the Greek or the Hebrew. I don't know, one or the other, though. I can, I'm sure of that. <laughs> you can help me there. But the word um, was moed, M-O-E-D. And so I was reading what appointment meant in the Hebrew, and you know what? It meant tent of meeting. And I slammed my Bible shut and said, I said, stop it, God. I can't take this much goodness. Are you trying to tell me that when I go to my tent of meeting, I'm having an appointment with you, that it's an appointed time? He just added a whole bunch more value to my tentology. <laughs> so it's a place where you meet with God as a friend. Best friendship to develop. Worship is a natural response. Listen, saints. The tent is called dwelling place. It's called hut. It's called it's Shiloh where the ark was for 368 years. It was called the temple. It's called the sanctuary. Fast forward in the New Testament, it's called your heart. Ultimately, this is a movable tent. But to fill this movable tent, I'm going to talk to you about my three non-negotiables. And I want to tell you why these are my non-negotiables. Because as I've grown in prayer, it hasn't been a trajectory of heaven on earth. It's been a lot of working out. It's been a lot of failures. It's been a lot of deliverance. It's been a lot of pain. It's been a lot of unanswered prayers. It's been a lot of battling to a place of fear. It's been a lot of wrestling with a real relationship with the Lord. And I knew that in order to drop anchor with God, that I was going to have to develop certain areas in my life, in my prayer life, as that holy word, discipline. How many think the word discipline is a holy word? Makes us disciples. Woo, I love it. All right, three non-negotiables. So my first non-negotiable, I'm going to tell you real quick what they all three are so you're not thinking I'm wondering. Prayer chair, Bible, and journaling. I'm going to talk to you about those for a few minutes. <clears throat> so this is what I've got to say. You need a prayer chair. You don't just want one. You need some place that's sanctified and set apart for one purpose only, to meet with God. You can pray when you're hunting. You can pray when you're driving. You probably do. You can pray when you're shopping, your husband is. You can pray when you're walking and enjoying nature. Prayer is continual, but there needs to be a disciplined, sanctified place to meet with God. You need a chair that doesn't do anything else, but you meet with God in that chair. I happen to have more square feet than I have. We have people living at home. So I have the luxury of having a prayer room. And in this prayer room, I have my prayer chair. And this is where God works all those things out in me and grows me in prayer and opens up the word. But I want to tell you, when I sit in my prayer chair, that's the, most, that's the safest place I've ever been. God, who knows me more than I know myself and loves me anyway, is meeting with me in that chair. I can sit in that chair and a holy hush can settle on me. And he knows what I brought into the prayer room that day. There is something about having a dedicated, 
place to meet with God. Your prayer chair. I have a friend. I taught this. I teach it a lot. I believe in it strongly. Oh, there's, there it is. Oh, dear. So this is my prayer chair. Is there something wrong with that prayer chair? It doesn't look like outside the busyness of camp, does it? Doesn't it look like work to you? So I was sitting in this prayer chair one day doing a lot of what you're seeing, and the Lord said to me, you need a listening chair. So I want to introduce you to my listening chair. A lot of conversation goes on in that chair. There's no question about it. A lot of Bible study, a lot of working out words, a lot of aha moments, a lot of, um, oh, God, that's a prayer strategy. And, and there's just so, it's so rich. But you cannot, pray, talking is highly overrated in your prayer life. Listening is the key to prayer. They say if you listen 90% of the time and talk 10, your prayers are going to be, think of it. So listen, what I had to do, I had to do a hush fast. Hush, I'm, hush be silent in the presence of God. I wrote about it in the book. I laid down on a carpet for 22 minutes a day and got quiet before God. And in my journal, you'll find out that one not easy. Disciplining your mind to be quiet and listen. You've got, so now I have my listening chair. Sits by a window, overlook the window, and God and I commune in that chair. Love my listening chair. So I'm going to tell you something about this listening chair. No, let me tell you this. A friend of mine, her children, um, watched her one night carry a chair into her bedroom. What are you doing, Mom? Well, I know you can talk to God, and I know you can hear God anywhere, but I am take, this is a chair that it's only for talking to God or hearing from God, nothing else. And he took, she took it into the bedroom. A couple days later, her eight-year-old son came home from school, and he said, Mom, I need to talk to God about something. Can I use your prayer chair? So she said, sure. So she watched him have that conversation, you know, where the face is moving, and you know something's going on. And he finishes, and he gets up, and he goes, Mom, that was good. She goes, what was that about? Well, there was a bullying situation going on in school, and he didn't know how to, rea- how to respond. So he got in that prayer chair, and God met him there, and he got a download. It speaks to the family even of the value of meeting and hearing from God. I did altar ministry one week, and a young lady came up to me, and she didn't have less square footage than people. She had more people than square footage. And she had so much going on. I just cupped her face, and I said, Ooh, you need a prayer chair. She goes, That's impossible. I said, Not with God. So I prayed for her that the Lord would show her a prayer chair, where it was. She She came up to me a couple weeks later. She was so excited. God had found a prayer chair for her in the bathtub with no water. Funny, but isn't that dear to God? Can you imagine the presence of God that blessed her and met her there because her heart was right? So she was establishing a prayer chair. I want to read something to you. Um, 
Oswald Chambers is a, a, a man, his autobiography is called Abandoned God, and he wrote Upmost to Your Highest, which is a daily devotional that really iron sharpens iron. You do Upmost to Your Highest, it's so good. It's so good. So this is what he said about his prayer chair. Oswald paused to make an emotional uh, diary entry before leaving London. I'm going away from my home now, like a bird leaving the old nest, and I'm fond of home. This room with its four plain walls has opened out into heaven. Here have I drunk in God. Here have I prayed. Here have I wept. Here have I worked. Here have I agonized. And now, farewell. I smile because all you know, and he was talking to the room, and have seen, God has known and seen too. How grand you'll never tell the secrets whispered by the ear, to me by the ear of God and God whispered words in mine. No, you'll be the secret. Dear room, goodbye. Can I challenge and charge you? Ask God what that looks like for you. I was like a nomad. I went from a, a desk to a table to a bed to outside to inside to curled up on a couch, and I felt like I was just wandering. And I got this one place dedicated, sanctified, set apart, and when I sit in that chair, God's waiting for me. So I want to tell you about my listening chair. I'm going to read it real quick. It's a poem. Am I out of time? Where's Pastor Tim? <laughs> Hi, Pastor Tim. I'm not going to read my poem. It's in my book. <laughs> All right. The second thing I want to tell you is Bible. Would you hold up those pictures of the Bible that I put up there? The first picture is, is, is of an Israeli man. I saw his testimony on Facebook this week. And he talked about how it was to discover the Bible in the New Testament. And look at what he's doing. He's hugging his Bible. He, this is my hugging Bible, by the way. It just fits. But he's hugging his Bible. He has fallen in love with the Word of God. Let me tell you, if the Word of God is not active and alive and sharper than a two-edged sword, if the Word of God is not counsel or direction or comfort, if the Word of God is not teaching and disciplining and iron sharpening iron, you've not fallen in love with the Word of God more. Because there's so much more. Your prayer life will be measured not by the scholastic understanding, but by the heart embracing the Lord. You cannot get enough of the Word of God. So hugging your Bible is a very personal, intimate. This is sometimes my prayer as I sit in my listening chair, because sometimes prayer has no words. It just has a heavy heart. Okay, the next slide for hugging Bibles. So we don't know anybody who hugs more than Pastor Tim. And I'd venture to say there's probably not anyone who hugs his Bible more than Pastor Tim because we are the recipient of the fruit that comes from that intimate personal relationship. I want to talk to you real quick about journaling, okay? Ooh, I don't want to journal. Journal is not a diary keeping. It's not a record of what went on in your day. 
journaling is a, something that God has said to you. Journaling is important. Let me just say quickly, I taught a class on journaling. The whole class was on journaling. And the class was good, but the prayer at the end was better. Because as I was praying, I had a, a swelling in me that what I was about to say was more God than me. And here's what it is. There may come a time when Bibles are confiscated and books are burned. I've been to Yad Vashem. I've seen it in my lifetime. Even now we see the disregard for the word of God. Books being taken out. The Lord said as I prayed that journals may be left to testify to the awesome power of God, the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the testimony that overcomes. Journaling is important. Find a way to journal. I don't care how you do it. I heard someone teach just recently, you do not give an iPhone you, in, in your will. All those little, write it down. So let's go through a couple of slides real fast. Here's some journaling. You can use it, a book, a journal, a notebook. I like to ask God about a word and pray for it. This is a devotional. I journal in a devotional. It's the attributes of God, 365 attributes of God, and meditate on one. The next one is writing in the Bible and scoring in the Bible and testifying. The next one is the end of a Bible. These are four pages at the end of a Bible I had for a season in time, and I recorded all the things that God was saying and doing. And the last one is photos. This is a whole story about um, God revealing to me a boulder in my heart that was interfering the spirit of God, and he showed it to me through photographs, and I've journaled that. So what I want to charge you with and, and encourage you with is the importance of having a dedicated place to meet with God, a prayer chair, falling more in love with the word of God because it will teach you to pray, and journaling the things God's saying to you. Find out a way that it would work for you. I don't journal every day, but when I look over my journals, I just found a quote this week that said, going through old letters and journals is like treasure hunting, finding a treasure. And we find those things that God has done and is doing and is reminding and it's encouraging. Pastor Tim, if you'll allow me a few minutes, I want to pray. And as I pray, I want you to be thinking about what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? I want to stir up the gift of prayer in you. I want you to know that you are sitting in a designated prayer chair. That I came here Wednesday and prayed over every single one of these chairs. You are sitting in a designated prayer chair. You are sitting in a place where you can hear from God and receive from God. I want you to know that God wants your prayer life to be joyful. I like the word fun, but you cannot find it in Scripture in any translation. But it's fun for me because I'm partnering with someone who's smarter, wiser, older, right? All powerful, everywhere, more discerning, more kind, more merciful. And God says in Isaiah 56, 7, he wants to bring you Embassy City and make you joyful in your house of prayer.
There's a scripture in Zechariah where it's a measuring rod, and the Lord says he wants to be a fire around you and the glory in your city. And then there's a scripture in 1 Kings that says, Lord, make us centered and devoted to you. All of those four scriptures that I just threw at you. The responsibility is God's. God is saying, I will make them joyful. I will take them to the mountain. I will keep them centered and devoted. I will be the fire around their prayer life. I will be the glory in our midst. All we have to do is be available. So, Lord, I pray for the saints that have gathered here today. Each one individually, Lord, a house of prayer. Each one of, you, each one of them seeking you and desiring to see your face. Each one of them carrying burdens and questions and concerns. And you're the only answer. Each one of them wanting to know you more and have that Emmaus road where their heart burns within them when they spend time with you. Each one of them in an area of influence, whether they're leading at their kitchen table or, or in a classroom or, or at work or at the altar or at church. Wanting to be more of a representative of who you are. Fill them up, Lord. I ask that you fill them with the joy of relationship with you. I ask that wherever they are in their prayer life today, you take them higher. Higher into your heart and deeper into your purposes. I ask that wherever you are today, Lord, that you challenge them and you charge them and you change them into bigger, stronger, bolder, more courageous houses of prayer. I ask that you bless them as you hear the cries of their heart and that your voice is sweet and they hear a response. Well done. So we'll invite the altar ministers to come forward. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on social media at Embassy Irving.